0: Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern Family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag PotternFamily or follow at Patern Family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag PotternFamily or at Patern Family on Twitter. By the way, this special presentation of the Once in a Blue Moon podcast and Save This City podcast will spoil the crap out of the latest episodes of Arrow, Flash, The Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl, and will also spoil aspects of the movie Batman v Superman. You've been warned.
1: Hello, listeners. In an epic battle, I bring you the Save the City versus the Blue Moon podcast. Who will win? Probably no one. Uh, so what we're doing today is a special event. We're merging two podcasts that we both do, uh, Matt, Lady Oddity, Camille, and myself, Donald. Uh, we do this little podcast called Blue Moon. Maybe you've heard of it. Probably have it, But check it out on iTunes. Uh, today we're going to be talking about all things D.C., we're going to start off with Arrow, we're going to move on over to Flash, probably talk a little bit of DC Legends of Tomorrow, and then we'll finish up with our overall thoughts on the epic, some might say, some might say failure, of a Batman versus Superman movie. So first of all, I want to see how everybody's doing today. How you doing, Camille?
2: Very, very good. I'm in a nice, chill mood right now.
1: Well, that's great. I'll probably bring it down a couple of levels to catch up with you then. <laughs> so, Matt... Are you chill or are you excited? Which one is it?
0: I'm excited because I have a feeling that Camille might not be so chill when we get to the end of this podcast and talk about (laughs) Batman versus Superman.
1: You're right. (laughs) Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Speaking of foreshadowing, there was a lot of it in this week's Arrow. I have a quick question for you guys before we just dive into the details of it. But At what point during this episode did you realize who was going to die, Matt?
0: Oh my goodness! Um, when they started, I, it took a, it actually took me a while. I know Donald, you had tweeted that it, there was a lot of foreshadowing all throughout, but I think when they started talking about the last time she puts on the mask, that's when it really hit me. Yes,
1: yeah, that yeah, that was when I was a hundred percent sure. What about you, Camille? Did you catch on before?
2: No, I I'm right there with you, Matt. I was completely going between. I mean, it seemed that it was like one of two people, so I was. Going back and forth between Diggle's brother and Laurel, and I, and it didn't really hit me until, like you're saying, the last, you know, the last time I wear this mask, and then obviously, like right before it happens, um, was when I was like, oh, well, then there we go. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: then they gave us another fake out too, and I thought she was going to be okay.
2: How'd yeah, you same feel about here. that. Yeah. I, I was kind of, it was cheap. It was a little cheap. It reminded me of, um, <laughs> it reminded me of Dexter. Uh, spoilers if no one has finished Dexter, the whole Deborah thing. Uh, it reminded me so much of that, and I just thought it was really cheap.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty much exactly what they did. Yep. I don't know what, it, when you compare it to things that have come recently, like The Walking Dead, where they faked out Glenn's death and let us sit on it for what three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem so bad here, where they you know they give you the fake out, but they instantly you know pay it off. So I, I wasn't too bothered by
0: it. It was the fact that we went outside the room and then we came back and everything had gone haywire. That was just really weird to me. It didn't seem to make sense. Yeah. And, um, I, I know Donald that you said that the showrunners have said that the, the death is permanent, whatever, but you still might see the character on the show. And I, I just wonder, I don't know. I, I I wonder if the fact that they did cut away with that is some way that they're going to cheat so that they can have her back in the show. some <laughs>
1: I, I personally, I think they did a really good job with it. They handled it really well. I think if we do see her, it'll be some something to do with maybe like a crossover with Legends, some in some way yeah. where can, can see her or something like that, or or something with flashbacks. We've seen lots of flashbacks and stuff like that in this show. So we we are coming upon the point where the flashbacks will soon be irrelevant. Which was not that they are relevant this year because I suck, but. Uh, next year, or, or I think next year or the year after that is, is, isn't it's just going to be like the flashback will have to be like season one,
0: right? If they're going exactly five years back every time, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So
1: maybe who knows? Maybe we'll see law in, in flashbacks or something like that. But I, I think to me that this opens up the the possibility that the um, DC Legends of Tomorrow are going to have a revolving cast, and you know we might see uh, Huntress next year, and uh, what's the uh, the other girl that was did a really good job this season um she turned into the animals oh
0: vixen yeah
1: vixen yeah i really liked her I, I think it'd be really cool to see See, just a revolving door of characters you know and then they can come back to the, their shows but i think having a, a green arrow show with no black canary would be kind of weird because those two characters kind of go hand in hand so we might see sarah back Ooh,
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: that makes sense
0: that would that would be interesting
1: I mean, who knows? Uh, Matt, I wanted to ask you this question. I know um you and Camille are both big music freaks, if that's the right word to use, but you commented on the score towards the end. One of the most powerful things in the episode to me was seeing uh Captain Lance's reaction. I think he did an amazing job falling to the ground.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, you know, the music that was playing during the entire scene was it really it really captivated me and a lot of times I don't I don't pay attention to the music and People tell me, well, then they're doing it right. You know, you're not supposed to notice it. But I think Lost changed that for me because you would notice the music in Lost. It was so good. Sometimes it would overpower the, the acting and the scene itself. So uh, what about that final scene that did really captivated you about the music? Because I did read your tweet about it.
0: Yeah, I actually, I tweeted to Blake Neely simply for the fact that, um, I and it's not a slight on the acting or, or the moment or anything. I, I thought it was really powerful it it didn't have to have that score i just felt like um the the way blake didn't overdo it but really accentuated it was was the perfect blend and, and neely this year has done just fabulous like um and i know we'll probably talk about it in a little bit but like the flash supergirl crossover the way he intermixed those two themes during that whole episode that was fantastic and and just He he just gave it that extra little bit of weight that you know totally broke my heart as if the as if seeing as if seeing Captain Lance fall to the ground wasn't enough then you know and and the look on Oliver's face it, it just all worked I think in perfect concert the way it's supposed to
1: Camille you have anything to add to that from your perspective?
2: No, I completely I completely agree there with Matt. I mean, it's one thing for music to kind of uh you know kind of color in the blank the blank spaces so to speak but it really did um it really did enhance and not distract you know when there was like it's one thing i kind of get annoyed with a little bit with walking dead is sometimes they'll have a music moment and it's so obvious because you don't hear it as often but this it just like really really like uh really felt something you know and it just made you hurt a little tiny bit more you know on set or with the reactions of Lance and and, uh, Oliver. So it really did add such a great, great moment, you know, like I wasn't feeling, I don't know, I wasn't that emotional watching it because I have no real attachment to Laurel. But when, when seeing like Captain Lance have his reaction, that broke my heart. And, you know, the music was definitely, um, definitely helped that feeling. So it just, it did a really good job of captivating a moment that, isn't necessarily easy to probably play but it was really good so um yeah i it's a really really awesome work there so kudos to the uh, composer for sure
1: yeah it it was a perfect time to throw in like that cw corny pop music but i'm glad they didn't go that route so i was really i was really impressed with that The, the extent of my music knowledge is playing the trumpet for three years in high school so i have nothing else to add on that subject um matt if you want to maybe bring up something else. I know there were some other plot points. Uh, one of them was really interesting to me, but I'll save that one and see if you guys maybe could bring up another plot point.
0: You know, the whole prospect, and, and this is how I think the flashbacks and not just in the, in terms of the idol, but how the flashbacks related particularly well to this episode, even though they weren't that interesting themselves was the fact that in the flashbacks, we know that Oliver has to go from this brighter person that he even was maybe back in Hong Kong or just prior to Hong Kong. He was starting to, you know, not be quite as dark. And we all wondered how he was going to get back to the dark place that he was when he first came off the island. Right. And I, I mm-hmm. think we are starting to see that trajectory happen. Um, and at the same time, in the present day, you had Oliver acknowledging that the darkness has never really left him. Um, and I thought that that was a, a, a fascinating aspect that he tried to fight it because, you know, that's what Felicity wanted and everything. And um, I, I do love that Diggle called him out on it. But I also think that that's kind of integral to at least the the Green Arrow that um, this show has built. I don't know how that relates in the way of the comics, because I haven't really read that much of, of Green Arrow in the comics. But I, I feel like that this Oliver Queen is a very dark Oliver Queen and that nothing can sway him from that too much, which is why sometimes when they had him go, like, uh, in the last episode when he was like, oh, I, I've read the Harry Potter books. I've just never seen the movies. You know, it's just that I, I like, I, I, because they had a Flash villain. Then it was easier to, to lighten up that episode in a lot of ways. And of course to set us up for the big fall this week too, to have a fun episode so that, you know, it wasn't doom and gloom for three straight episodes and then have Laurel die. But it, it just, it felt like a really neat point to see Oliver descending into that darkness, um, on the island and then him uh, kind of in the same way, redescending into the darkness again on, in terms of, uh, the present day.
1: Yeah, I really like that because there, there was a time um, during these flashbacks where I was looking at Oliver and I was like, this is just the Oliver that we have now. I mean, there's no difference, and now he's just he's starting to he's having to kill a lot of people. So that that's a good way to bring out that darkness again. Yeah, maybe get him back to that level. But they gave up on the the really terrible wig, so to me it just it just looks like Oliver. You know, there's no no distinguishing factors between what we have now and you know the flashback. So. Um, but for me, these flashbacks this year just aren't working. It seems like it's the same thing every week. Him and the lady and the guys are looking for the idol. That's, that's it. That's what it's been like the past six weeks. So hopefully they'll, they'll bring that in. I know um, at some point, Giggle's brother is going to come back because they teased him in there for a second. But, uh, I mean, those are excellent points, though. Camille, did you have anything that you wanted to bring up?
2: Um it's it's uh I guess it's more or less like the uh conflict between diggle and um and Oliver and this whole perspective on trust it's so conflict mm-hmm. i guess it's just conflicting um in the sense that and it's not like it's i don't i don't hate it it's just conflicting watching you know these two best friends have these kind of um just bad personal callings or you know trying to trust family and having a soft spot and all that stuff it's just um just as a a viewer, it's this great, great drama, I guess, having this perspective from Diggle where he's saying, You're telling me I should trust family, you're telling me I should give him a chance and then Oliver's here saying, No, you never change and blah, blah, blah. And it's just that was such a interesting um it was an interesting plot point and even just kind of I guess, um, kind of timeline of where we've gone with Oliver as a character and how he's grown and how he hasn't in a lot of ways. And I just I love that moment so much in, in this last episode, just how it's this complete backwards mentality that Oliver's trying to kind of push onto himself and his friends. And then at the end of the day, he knows better. He knows what he's gone through. He feels stuff inside that he knows Diggle's brother is probably feeling. And I just, I love that conflict of conflict of interest, conflict of morality. It was just really good. And I don't think I've had those, like um, those kind of moments where I, kind of step back and think man there's a lot of like conflicting things here it was just really good i loved i loved the kind of contradictory um perspective that was going on both between dig and and oliver and it was just really really good
1: i i totally agree that was the point i was going to bring up was there was some really good stuff not only between dig and oliver but between oliver and, and andy and then Diggle and andy and then all three of them together there was some really good stuff Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of I wanted to point out um, the guy who plays John Diggle doesn't really get that much credit, but he did a really good job. There was a couple of times where he cried on cue and I, I, I could just read the conflict in his face because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you you know, you'll you'll trust your family over your best friend. It's just the way it is. It's your brother. So um, I can understand like where, where he was coming from and then to just ultimately be portrayed like that. It probably, it probably to a point, we're probably going to see some ramifications from that for a while now. I would hope. I hope it, was, it doesn't just go back to they're being okay next week. So there should be some, some more conflict coming from that. But I wanted to point out that Diggle, a guy who I thought was going to be the one in the coffin for the longest time, um, actually came out with, um, maybe with a way to, you know, kind of strengthen that character a little bit more and give him a little bit of depth. So I was looking forward to that. Um, I like what you said about the stuff between. Oliver and Diggle because so one of the things that I've always liked about that relationship that they've had and they've been in there been in the show right from the beginning mm-hmm. is that I think that Diggle can go toe-to-toe with Oliver and that's either physically or just you know just, just talking to him and, and and putting him in his place and Oliver I don't know if you guys realize it but Oliver has a real God complex it's oh,
3: his yeah. ways. It's, 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 it's
1: this way it's always his way it's got to be done his way or you know he can he can mess up, but you know if, if anybody else messes up, he has to call him out on it. And there was a good scene with uh, with that Mr. Terrific. Um, I forget his real name, Curtis. Yeah, Curtis. There was a, a scene with that where he kind of stood up, and I kind of agree with Oliver on that one. But at the same time, sometimes he can be a little harsh. So I like when I whenever Diggle calls him out, and you know he he pretty much said exactly what I was thinking. It was like. Yeah, even though know, I'm sorry, Felicity broke up with you. That's why you're acting like this. Like, and he needed to hear that, and that was—it was one of those oh snap moments where you just mm-hmm. you just say what needs to be said in the moment. So I really thought that that was good. Now um, we can wrap this L up. Uh, I do want to give a little bit of respect to Laurel. So if you guys have any final words that you want to say about Laura, we'll start with Matt.
0: Well, you know, I think that actually the show has done a better job this year. Uh, for for me, about caring about Laurel in general. And I don't know if that was to set all this up or what, why why that is the case. But, um, you know, as soon as all of the, the shoes started dropping, um, I just realized how much I'm actually probably going to miss this character because if Felicity isn't in Oliver's life, um, I mean, the, the whole love thing declaration there at the end seemed a little contrived to me. But yet mm-hmm. when you look at Oliver and Laurel's history, um, I, I, just even throughout the show, I, I feel like, um, that it was nice for them to pay that off. And I'm, I'm going to actually, I mean, I'm a huge Katie Cassidy fan anyway, because I loved her as, uh, uh, the demon, uh, early on in, in Supernatural, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to miss having Katie Cassidy around if she's not around all the time. That's for sure
1: yeah i mean I, I definitely agree with that i i I dug her you know before she lost a hundred pounds and yeah and uh her faces faces didn't fit again <laughs> but uh yeah like i said she she was fine and there there were some few rocky moments with the character over the years where was, now she has a drinking problem where she was so unbelievable and I just didn't buy it and it was it's it's weird when you think about it this character was brought in to be the female lead, and for some reason or another it just didn't work, and she never had that chemistry with Oliver. Right off the bat, it was it was the Felicity chemistry that I think made the producers and, and the writers go in that direction. But Law just never had the chemistry with him, and, and, and even earlier in this season, whenever the um, Oliver's baby mama appeared, there was a little moment there too where they kind of reminded you, hey, her and Oliver used to have something, and you know, she it's, it's still there. But uh, I, I thought that that was a pretty good moment to remind us, because honestly, I forgot that they ever, you know, had any kind of love interest because uh, they've just been so separate from each other. But uh, come here. I'll throw it over to you. Any, any last words for Laurel?
2: Um, I'm. It's very sad that she's gone now because it's like um, she's had one of the most progression or progressive storylines, um, mm-hmm. especially just her character. She's grown so much, and it's it's unfortunate, you know. Now that she's at a place where I feel she fits in more into the show, she's not kind of just put in as someone's love interest. She's she's her own character, you know. She's not kind of this sidearm to Oliver Queen. She was Laurel Lance. She was, you know, the black Nary, like she was her own character. And it's, it is a shame now that she has finally grown into herself and she finally fit in for this to be when she leaves. You know, it's, it, it it really bumps me out because I had, I literally had the worst time watching her season one through (laughs) maybe half of season two. And for her to, Go from one of my, my least favorite characters on almost any show I've watched to being like this chick that is super badass and just she can do everything, you know. She and she's gone through so much to get to that point. She trained with so many different people, and yeah, she did have her, you know, flaws as a character. But you know, at the end of the day, what she turned into was so amazing, and it's it is unfortunate that she's gone. But I'm also very pleased that she did make this journey, and you know, she will be missed as as part of Team Arrow. So. I'm going to be sad that she's not there. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, I, I do think there'll be a hole there now. And uh, they did flesh her out a little bit towards the end. I, I, there was plenty of times where I just forgot she was an ADA. And they would just do a scene mm-hmm. where she was just like, just in the office. And like, what is she doing? And oh, yeah, she's an ADA. But they did mm-hmm. a good uh, courtroom scene to make her useful. And I'm surprised they didn't do more of that. Because I think it would be a, a really good one-two punch to have Team Arrow catch the bad guy and then Laurel prosecute him. I feel like they they missed the ball at certain points by not having more yeah. of those types of scenes. But uh, like I said, she did grow. You both guys guys both agree with me. And uh, she was one of the characters that I hated a lot, and I made that very <laughs> vocal. <laughs> I just think it was because every other character, every other female character they brought in was so much stronger and so much yeah. better. for the moment Sarah Sarah came in, it was amazing. I and mean, then there were some rocky moments with Thea too, but she always played it like she was a young. And she would, you know, so you could like let that slide. But even Thea started to come into her own, and I'm like, well, they're just giving something giving Laura something to do. But it's done now, and uh, time will tell how we'll see her again. If we'll see her again, who knows? So I guess we'll move on, and we'll go into the Flash. Now, Matt, you run the Save the City podcast. This is true. Do you want to approach this from the the Supergirl? perspective and then move on into the flash or, or you want to just jump right into flash and then
0: go into the supergirl crossover however you want to approach it is fine with me
1: yeah I, I was really just asking because it's to me it's kind of weird the timeline because we still haven't seen we haven't seen uh barry build the the in on thing and supergirl he he had it so i'm like when does this happen so maybe next week we'll see it happen, and then. It, but it still doesn't fit. So, like, at what point is that going to make sense to us? But it, it doesn't. So I guess we can start well, um, with uh, the Arrow ep- I mean, the Flash episode, the flashback, because I thought that was a really, really well-done episode. Did you agree?
0: I totally agreed. Um, In fact... Well, you just gotta give it to Tom Cavanaugh. He played three different versions <laughs> of Harrison Wells, basically, in that episode. And you knew what each one of them was simply mm-hmm. by the way that he acted. I mean, that, that was just amazing. You know, he played the Eobard Thawne, uh, the Harrison Wells, uh, Earth 2 version. Um, and then when Eobard had to act like the old Harrison Wells, and he had to do that too. I, there's, <laughs> that guy's just gotta go, to, Go back to bed at night, you know, uh, with multiple personalities going on in his head. <laughs> that whole thing was that episode uh, really was pretty amazing to me. And I, I again, I hate the fact that the, the, there's there was another hiatus right after it, but it's still. Um, it's put Barry into the place where now anything can happen with Zoom. And I, I think that any, if you've seen any of the trailers, you know that anything will happen with Zoom sometime in the near future and that it can happen anywhere because that's, that's the key. I was worried about the breaches and all of that. And now that's just all out the window because if Barry is figures out how to go in between universes as he evidently will in the future of the flash show in the Supergirl crossover, then it it seems that he could meet up with zoom on earth too. Or you have to think that if zoom is any kind of scientist, the way Barry is, then he'll figure out how to to go come back as well. So it, uh, I love that there's peril in either of the universes as far as those two facing off is concerned.
1: Yeah. I mean, you said, you said a mouthful that was, that was spot on all the way back to the, uh, the Harrison Wells stuff. And honestly, because he's, doing such a good performance it's making me kind of worried if they solve everything at the end of the year and he goes back to earth two, then we won't have him
3: again.
1: So also he'll decide to stay. I'm hoping he'll decide to stay because his daughter doesn't come back or something like that. And she's kind of mean to say, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But Camille, how did you feel about the episode? Um,
2: it was, I'm trying to think. I literally just watched it. Um, Oh so he goes back in time to try and learn from Wells. Okay. So um yeah, it, like you were saying with um uh, the actor, just the fact that he's playing all these different guys and it was I I love just seeing this kind of like kind of two-faced version of of Wells. I mean, we already know he's like that, but to see him just turn on and off when these two people would walk in and out of a room was it was really entertaining and um, I, I thought the whole time wraith thing was interesting. Makes me wonder um if we'll see any more of those type of things given that they're introducing more like time travel and all that mess. But it, it was it was a, a pretty good episode overall. Um I don't know, like I feel like with with the quality of Flash with this season, it started off kind of weird, kind of heavy on the emotions, and now we're getting into the story building and stuff, and it's really like leaving this nice kind of platform or just solid foundation for either the finale or next season. And I'm just, I'm pumped to see whatever else they got, they, they can throw at us. Cause there's just so much stuff that we know and still don't know. So like with episodes like this kind of going back or seeing these things that, that Barry's capable of, it's just, it's really, really interesting. So I don't know. Overall, I was really pleased with it. Um, it just gets me more excited for what's to come and what, what the season finale is going to be. So yeah, it's more about looking forward, I guess, with these episodes.
0: Donald, I have a specific question for you. If you wouldn't mind uh, speculating oh, cool. with cool. me, you saw Cisco's vibe. And I love the fact that Cisco has these vibes. I mean, I th- I think it's cool. And, and the fact that they still can leave a lot of ambiguity as to what's happening. But when, um, in, in his, when he was in this proximity of the helmet this time, he saw um Zoom like holding Jesse over uh, off the top of a building but do you think that's in Earth 2 or do you think that's in Earth 1 cuz is that a possibility as to why Wells couldn't find her Ooh
1: I did not give much thought to that I I thought it was just something that was going to happen at some point with, I thought that uh Zoom I've always thought that before the um the episode the this episode flash flashback I've always thought that Zoom would find his way into Earth 1 before they would get back to Earth 2. Cuz mm. we already did the big Earth 2 episode so I don't see them going back there. But True. I mean, who knows? But I, I didn't even think about that. That's that's just interesting possibility. I mean, it, it, so you think he takes or he took Jesse to another Earth?
0: We I'm yeah, I'm just wondering if if just like you said if Zoom has already developed the capability to go between universes on his own and the fact that wells couldn't find jesse on earth one that zoom has taken her back to earth two um and I- i'm assuming of course that what cisco is seeing is is a future thing but i just can't tell where it's yeah. at
1: yeah i mean we've seen him see what pu- the future path and then stuff that was happening at the same time so that that would be very interesting um i didn't even think about him coming grabbing jesse and then going back and then Soak Wells is kinda of back in the same position as he was like a couple episodes ago. Yeah. That would be that would be interesting. They've gotta find some kind of way to you know to get it get it done. But uh, I don't know, man. There's there's still a lot of mystery there. A lot of things to, you know, think about. And it's just one of it's one of the things that that's so good about the flash but also very frustrating. Is that they don't they every, everything is about a mystery with the flash. Like you have to figure it out and they give you pieces up until the end. So, I mean, it, it's definitely a, um, a possibility because, it, it, and I, I guess it would make sense because we still have, we still have the mystery guy in that cage, don't we? And we don't know who it is
2: yet.
0: Right. I still is think it's some
2: other another, version of Jay.
0: Yeah, it's. it's yeah, what are going to j- say? Just another Jay. <laughs> yeah, it's Earth Five J. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we still have them, we still have the mystery of you know. We have the dead Jay? so, like, where does that where does he fit in in the timeline? So, I mean, it would be a good way to get him back to, to that cell, so, and I mean we can figure out what the hell is going on. But you know what the most interesting thing I took from this episode was? I think it's very interesting that they went the route of Barry is still not, with, with all the things that we've seen, he's still not good enough to beat the reverse Flash that we saw last year. And technically, they didn't even beat him. Like, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, Iris's uh, fiance shooting himself, and, then he probably they probably wouldn't have beat him. And even Barry going back a full year in time, Harrison still figured out like pretty quickly and got the jump on Barry, and had him in handcuffs. So like at that point, he could have killed him. And he's still not strong enough. He's still not better than him, and he still needed his advice. So uh, I think that that would be a very good good uh, character moment to, um, for Barry to deal with is that, you know, his biggest opponent, you know, he's, even after all how far he's come, he's still not better
0: than him. Yeah, that's great. I, I did appreciate the fact, though, that Barry did think quick on his feet because I don't think mm-hmm. that he actually left a note uh, to the other oh, no. Barry or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, you yeah. know, uh, <laughs> at, at least Barry has learned how manipulative Eobard Thon is and, and knows how to push those buttons as well, because he does have the, the, the one thing coming back from the future, the one piece of knowledge that his present day at that time wouldn't have ever had, and that is that Eobard just wants to go home, right? And, and uh-huh. kill Flash along the way somehow. Uh, and so, uh, using that, knowing that that is Thon's greatest weakness at least gave him the edge in that case.
1: Totally agree. Alright, Camille, did you see the, the crossover with Supergirl?
2: I have not, no, but we all right, y'all are free to talk about it. I I wanted to watch, but I just didn't get around to it.
1: Okay, well, that, I mean that, that's fine. We can talk about it a little bit. Matt, how did you feel overall about it? I felt like I felt it, it was definitely a more of a flashy type of tone. I couldn't I couldn't picture an Arrow crossover in these in this universe yet. But how did you feel about it?
0: and well and they really took care of that by saying that you know this isn't uh, this isn't really near as much of a parallel universe as the other ones that we've seen right um mm-hmm. by they're not being a, a star labs and they're not being a cisco and they're not being whatever so i uh i think that what happened was because remember you had kreisberg writing that episode along with uh, one of the top writers for for Supergirl. So I think Kreisberg is the one who really brought the tone just to make it seem more like, you know, a Flash episode, actually, more so than than a Supergirl episode. And it actually worked out, uh, to me, at least as one of the better Supergirl episodes because of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. There, there were some moments where I felt like they tried to force more of a relationship upon, and, I, and by relationship, I don't mean an intimate relationship, but... a uh, sort of a, this close friendship upon like Supergirl and, and Flash then was earned. I think by the end, you know, she was, they were, there was plenty of moments where like, she was just like really giddy and excited and hugging him and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you just met him. Maybe it's kind of cool for her to meet somebody else with superpowers. But the more I think about that, I'm like, your, your cousin is Superman, so you shouldn't be this, you know, amazed by a guy who can just like, run. Just so just Act ah,
2: cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, she was really like... Like excited to the point where she was making Jimmy really jealous, but I think that that was just a way for um, a, a sort of a forced CW mandate onto a CBS show.
0: Yeah, you well, I, and, and, and they even had it to where, and I love that because it all came from Cat. Cat was the one who told her to use Barry that way to get at yeah, Jimmy, yeah. And, and 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 at the same time, just a few minutes later, she called <laughs> she called Barry and and uh, Cara and. And Jimmy and, uh, Wynn, like, uh, a what was it? A beautifully, uh, a beautiful beautifully diverse, diverse cast <laughs> from a CW show. It was a great fourth <laughs> yeah. wall joke. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I did like that. I like that character of Cat too, the, the way she plays it is really interesting. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, we can dive into the details of that episode if you want, but I think for the most part, it was a kind of like a one-off. Thing that didn't really have any, um, larger ramifications for, for either show.
0: Right. Yeah. Unless you
1: no. just want to catch, catch, if you want to count the, the fact that now Barry can run between dimensions and get around that.
0: Right. And, and that's where we're talking about Camille, where it's like, it's hard to place where this particular story fits in Barry's history on Flash because it hasn't right. happened yet. Um, we know now from the, the, the last Flash episode that he has the tech to build that tachyon enhancement thing, similar to what um, Eobod Thon had on, on the reverse flashes suit. Um, but uh, we don't know when he's going to have that capability. And I, Donald and I tweeted back and forth about this a couple of times. And my whole solution is is they could actually just start an episode with with Barry uh, suddenly showing up at Star Labs and, and Caitlin and, and Cisco saying, where have you been for the last two days?
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> you yep. know? Yeah.
0: Um, and he could say, "Oh, I was in this other place, but this works." You know, now we got to figure out how to do it. I mean, it would be a little cheesy, but um, they left it open ended enough, I think, to where, like you said, it doesn't really affect one universe or the other, and I'll, just a couple of drop in lines will explain where it fits.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's totally possible. I just they have a history of doing this. If you remember last year when Oliver shows up in his, you know, League of Assassins gear, and you're like, "When did he have time to go over there and help?" that helped him capture reverse flash like it made no sense because there was no no point where Oliver was still with the assassins where he had the point time to do that but it, i don't know they it seems like they just they wanted to do it they had the idea and it was the only time they could do it so uh, it makes sense in that way i mean i'd rather have it than not so you can always you know go back and retroactively make it make sense but um if there's any other point that you wanted to bring up about the, that episode matt
0: no just that you know i just i I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot better than I've enjoyed some Supergirl episodes this year. And I've tried, I've tried really Mm. hard uh, to stick religiously to Supergirl, but uh, it, it can be tough at times. And and this episode made it fun. The thing is, is that Supergirl now only has what two episodes left in their season. So they've got to wrap up everything that they've had hanging out for a while Mm. uh, in two short episodes. And that doesn't seem like it's going to be very satisfactory, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm very interested in the Martian Manhunter stuff because I, I like that character. So I was kind of glad that they brought him in there and, and did that. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it, it's really it's a it's a first season. It's kind of a rocky start. Uh, the Flash had a very good first season, but I think that's very rare. Right, that a show have that much figured out and have a, that much of a plan in its first season. So uh, it did get renewed for season two, so we will see more Supergirl, and we will see more Flash, and we will see more Arrow. As every CW show on the slate got renewed for another season. So,
0: can't believe Supernatural's going to get a season twelve. Wow!
1: Yeah, that is that is insane, and they're, they're they're not showing any signs that they want to stop. So, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Uh, we'll talk about that another time,
3: though. <laughs> uh,
1: so that that wraps up Flash and Arrow. Now, um the one thing I did want to bring up before we go into Legends is how do you guys feel about this being a world where there's Apparently
2: no Batman and no Superman and in Supergirl's world there's no flash and no arrow. I mean, they can afford to do some more crossovers or I don't know. Like it it's it's frustrating watching it because it's like you know how similar Oliver's and just the arrow story is to Batman and they've even made reference, you know, like um, the joking of Felicity being called Oracle and stuff like that—they're making these references. Yeah. They know they're acknowledging it, but you know, it's just—it just sucks because then other people will probably want, like, the fans would probably cry for more of of Batman or, hey, why don't you do the actual show? You know. And then I don't know if it's just kind of this kind of hole they're trying to avoid going down, but. At least acknowledge, you know, or show a silhouette of Batman or something, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so bizarre because these worlds clearly exist in the same world as, you know, these other superheroes. And to have very little mention, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say cheap because I imagine it's very expensive. But it's just, I don't know. I, I wish there were some way to bring light to even the smallest, you know, things outside of a small reference or joke, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And I like the idea of of honing in on these, I won't say less popular, but less visited characters in the DC universe. You know, we just had a Superman show that ran for 10 years. We haven't really had a decent Batman show
3: Mm -hmm. on TV
1: in what, 40, 50 years. So uh, I don't know why they don't go that route. They went with Gotham. Nobody wants to see Bruce Wayne as a kid. Nobody at all. So I don't know why they're doing that. Um, Supergirl does a good job of implying a Superman but but not necessarily you know doing a Superman show so I I think they could easily do it and they the thing that I don't understand is that we've had references to Batman in the Flash or to Bruce Wayne at least we know Bruce Wayne exists Um, we've even in the uh, DC Universe DC uh, Legends of Tomorrow Rip has said he's seen Man of Steel die in Dark Knight Fall like who else is he talking about of course Batman Superman are in that world he's just they they're just really hesitant to just visit him. You know, I think you can have some good stories uh, where you know just Batman just shows up and he's like, what the hell is going on? To see you know our Superman shows up and you can have a good story. And then you just be a one off. You know you don't have to have Superman every episode or anything like that. I don't know. They I, I think that there's such a vast amount of characters that are well liked. I think that you just don't do it justice by not visiting all of them. And Arrow. Recently has been very open to bringing in just random DC characters with no problem. Like, they'll bring in anybody. Like, people you don't even, never even heard of. Like, they just grab any comic, but they won't go to, like, the well known type of characters. So I don't, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's a small problem that I have.
0: I just wonder, Donald, if, uh, it's not a corporate directive, if it's not, uh, like a, a DC Comics corporate directive, and, and that's really what's mm-hmm. keeping them from being able to do it, because it, it, you know, now, especially with the Justice League movies, uh, being set up and everything like that, I just wonder if, um, DC is just like reserving their big names, um, for the bigger screen, you know, and, the bigger money take and and i agree you know it wouldn't hurt to have more references to them or whatever but actually seeing them in the show i I just wonder if that's not some kind of corporate directive we want to keep uh we want to keep our big stars as the people that you know uh as these characters and and therefore we can't have you know little appearances of anybody else doing them Mm and yeah that
1: that totally makes sense it's just I don't understand. I think I think Marvel is doing a better job of capturing their their market as a whole. Yeah, you know, with the Jessica Jones and the Daredevil shows, which are all in the same universe as the movies. Right. And you know, with the popularity of I'm not a biggest biggest fan of Jessica Jones or Daredevil, but they're really popular shows. And the Agent Carter show is very popular. Like, why not do a Wonder Woman show? Like, there, there's money to be made there. But sometimes I just don't understand. You know, these guys just sit in suits and building and they have no idea what the fans want to see but they think they do yeah (laughs) but that's a whole nother story that's a whole nother story let's let's move on to uh dc legends of tomorrow which i think has really started to come into its own and i think it's been what three episodes since the last time we talked about it uh throw it over to camille this time we didn't get to talk that much about supergirl but how did you feel about the whole um i guess it was a two-parter the 1950s type of thing, and then this uh, last episode that we had with the big reveal.
2: Um, do you mean with like the very last two episodes that aired?
1: Yeah. Well, wasn't it a? Yeah. Okay. I guess there was a two part. It wasn't three. It's only
2: two then. Okay. Um, I as far as like the are you talking about the reveal with who's the time guy that's chasing them? Yes. Yeah, that was awesome, and I kind of had a feeling that was going to be it when I started to think about um, the fact that he left, he left him alive, and Captain Cold left uh, his BFF alive, basically, and and then just seeing that mercy he he gave them, he's not gonna give the other guy. I, what's the, what's the other guy's name? I'm completely blanking. I don't know.
0: Roy is Heatwave and Smart yeah, really. is Captain Cold. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so seeing as though Rory didn't ha- doesn't really have that sort of um kind of compassion and just just general like caring for anybody. It's it, it seemed to kind of fall into place very quickly. Um the the very like beginning of that last episode or was that the reveal? I don't remember. But yeah, just just when it was starting to come together, um it seemed very obvious once Captain Cold was caught. I'm like, "Oh, that's totally, you know, that's Rory. Like why else well, who else would it be it makes no sense you know and then um like with the whole uh the whole Kendra and Adam thing um I kind of, I kind of felt bad for him because he really put a lot of effort into whatever yeah. they were doing to try and live and survive together without being superheroes and um I felt for him you know because and Seeing this stuff with Felicity, all this dude wants is to be loved and hugged. <laughs> it's just like no one wants to do it. <laughs> but it, it was it was really um, fascinating to see how they dealt with the situation and seeing how they both kind of closed off certain things about themselves. Kendra, like almost completely forgetting about who she was. And then, you know, Adam just being like, this is OK, because this is what he wants, you know um but as far as the episode and the reveal it was very very um it was not that obvious but when it came to it was just like yeah that makes perfect sense so um i applaud them because it seemed pretty obvious after you thought about it or once they revealed it you're like oh yeah of course it's him so uh kudos to them for that because i i was like taken by surprise but also very uh very pleased with that kind of storytelling because it gave a little more essence to Rory, as everyone was saying, he's, he's a meathead or whatever. Like it showed this depth to him that we don't really get to see. So I liked seeing that kind of hurt kind of pers- uh, perspective coming from him, even though he's kind of a hard ass, he was kind of upset, you know, being betrayed or whatever it is to him. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all good points. I really, I really um, held on to the one about Kendra and the guy because I've, I've been with women like that. Not to say that all women are bad, you know, but um, I've been with women that are, like, you'll be 100% in, and then two days later, it's like you're a totally different person. How do you have to cope with that? I can see his frustrations, and I did feel kind of bad for the guy, cause he's come off as just a just all around good guy, and he's kind of a sweetheart. So no, nobody really wants to to see him get hurt or anything like that. And he's just kind of a naive uh, type of guy. And sometimes I'm looking at him, and I'm, it's hard to believe. That that guy was Superman, like that's, right. <laughs> that's so weird. And but he's he's doing a really good job as, as this character who's a little bit childish and naive at heart, trying to do the right thing. Um, so I'm, I'm still kind of I, I don't have as much of a problem with it from the the point of view of, of the CW mandate because I really like the way that Jackson is handling it, and he's like not mm-hmm. not handling it at all. He is like no one right. wants to hear this and <laughs> stuff like that. I think that's great, and it's not necessarily in your face you know it's more of a like you know i'm over it i'm really upset about this so i think that's fine i like the idea of leaving them in the past for like two years and then seeing sarah go back to the league and getting to see the old so that was that was really really good and it sort of made me think recently what if you know when is this news going to get to sarah you know that her sister's dead yeah, or you know, she gonna? Are they gonna end up in like 1999 or 2015 or something like that? And then uh, you know, she's talking to her sister, and then all of a sudden she gets the message: that her sister is dead, and she's like, "That's the last time i have ever seen my sister." You know, I think they could do a lot of good things with that, and it'd be another way where way we can see Laurel again.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, I'm gonna throw it over to you, Matt. What did you think about these two episodes? Uh, actually.
0: Uh... You know, I, I've had a lot of I've done a lot of complaining about the fact that, you know, I get sick of Vandal Savage being a part of every two parter and all of that stuff. Um, and in the first half of it, you know, uh it it felt, again, like they were still going back to that formula. But with the second one. Uh, where they got to 1960 there was so much great development in it and and we got to give a shout out again to at michael underscore aaron who during the the hiatus between the two parts uh, he called he called it out he said he said chronos is rory and uh i Wanted to believe him, but I just couldn't. And then when it happened, I was just like, <laughs> damn, that's cool.
1: Um, I did not see it coming at all.
0: Yeah. I, I, he, he had pointed it out and I was just like, I, I don't see how that works, but, uh, it totally did work. And uh, that might be a great way. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the whole, let's redeem Rory kind of trip that they seem to be on by the end of the episode, but, right. uh, but I do think that maybe if they try to go through that process that, his story about what has happened to him in the time that since they had least last seen him, um, and, ha- or to the time that he became Kronos, uh, if we get little flashbacks of that from his own memory, that would be fantastic. That's another whole aspect of the storytelling that would just be fascinating to me. And I, I like you, I like the fact that they left him in the past for two years because we didn't have to see. Uh, Ray and Kendra go through all of the, the lovey dovey troubles and everything. We saw their relationship very well already established despite, you know, whatever Kendra, Kendra is about the mission and everything. And I love the explanation in the fact that she was losing memories of who she was, not just then, but all of her past lives. And that's a total, like, would be a destruction of, of any way that they could beat, beat Vandal Savage at all, so I love that they they threw that in there to make it logistically good that they came back and they would be separated, and then they ended up you know with Ray hiding a damn engagement ring under the bed that <laughs> she's not going to find that next week or anything, right? Or this the, this right. episode. Um, but at any rate, uh, I mean, I I loved all of the development. I thought it, I thought it was fantastic, and you didn't need a lick of Vandal Savage other than a mention or anything to make a really compelling episode. I know lots of people say, well, they should have even more Vandal Savage in it, but I just say you keep running into the same formula of, okay, we got to find out where he is. Okay, we got to figure out how to be uh, right. how to get him not to notice us. Okay, now we got to try and figure out how to kill him. Oh, we got to fail because we've just been renewed for a season. Too, <laughs> you know. So it, it's uh, it, it will get so formulaic that I'll just get bored with that. So they they need to have Donald. I think it's a great idea that you brought up, where they circle, uh, bring in different characters. You know, kind of have a, a revolving door of characters coming in and out to try and achieve the same goal. Um, and I think that you know, with the whole Rory reveal, there's a whole other aspect of, of the future story, and maybe even more of, of Rips past. I think that can be explored uh, as they go along. And you don't need Savage to be as present as maybe you did at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I'm I'm down with the formula of, like, the old school sliders or, or something like that, where, like, you just barely miss him at the end of every episode. And really, you just meet him at the, the beginning of the season, a big battle in the middle, and then they meet up at the end. And then between that, it's just, you know, they get sidetracked a lot in the character stuff, which... I think they've done a really good job on the on the episodes without Vandal in them, of keeping you interested and, you know, that you're not worried about Vandal at that point. Right. Uh, and I think that, I think they've even opened up the door, like, at, at the end of this year, they can, they can kill Vandal if they need to, and then have it, oh, okay, well, Rory's looking at the computer, he's like, oh, crap, what have we done? And then there's another mission next year, or something like that, or... You know, it, it are they could just be such good friends by the end? They're like, let's go play Doctor Who and right wrongs throughout time. Or like <laughs> I mean, you could, you could do some a lot of things with it, that doesn't it doesn't just have to be about Sandal Savage at this point. I think they've opened the door, and they've shown that it could still be a very interesting show. Just to even like a Quantum Leap type of show where you just go into different periods in time. I like how they played with the uh, you know it's c w c so you can only do so much. But they did play with the whole, hey, it is nineteen fifties, things are different. There was segregation and racism and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you can play mm-hmm. with you can play with that. And that's something that I, I didn't expect them to do while they were in this show because they were in the seventies at one point. And it was just like, Hey, that's how I in puffy jeans and puffy pants and stuff like that. So I uh, I was just thinking it would be like really childish and kind of Disney like, but they they went to some different areas and I'd like to see them explore you know, other areas like that. If you can do it with Doctor Who, which is technically a kid's show, then, hey, we can go and, and go to Hitler times and stuff like that. I think you can, they've, that's a format that I think has always worked. I mean, like, when, even with shows like Sliders, where they went to different dimensions, or Quantum Leap, which was a really heavy show and, and almost preachy at times, where you go to different times and explore how things were different at that point. And even today with Doctor Who, which a show is running so long, where you can go to different times and explore different things that you couldn't in a regular show. So they have the yeah. format, they have everything they need there. They just need to do it. And I'd be curious to see if they're going to go that route or just keep it. Hey, find Vandal Savage and shave his beard this year. Like what's, what's the next <laughs> mission? Gonna be? You know?
2: Yeah. I, kind of talking about how they handled some of the past um, travels they had and the things with segregation and just racism. It, it, it For me, it's always such a ballsy move for shows to address such things because, you know, people tend to kind of, I guess, lighten the blow as to what it was like back when, you know, there's these picture perfect images. Movies always make it seem like this time frame was this lovely place, but they fail to talk about what was happening around that time. You know, with with the psych ward episode, um, you have women being oppressed, women not being able to be comfortable
3: with their sexuality
2: Mm -hmm. and then and then the flip side we had um we had the other character damn i can't remember his name um you know dating this white girl and there's all these issues with that and how people perceive them and it was just it was so it was just nice for someone or maybe not someone but for the show to address these things and not make it you know not make it really uncomfortable but just address it as this was history and this is part of going back in time and this is The kind of things people probably would say, you know, when Kendra and uh, Adam show up to the house and the lady's like, oh, and your maid can sleep here. And she's like, this is my wife, you know, I love that kind of just they're pushing back. And I love how they're even taking in taking in what it's like back when and even just having this perspective of, man, I'm so glad we don't live here. You know, it's it's just this. I, I like that realism a lot because I feel a lot of media when they do the whole historical back in let's go back to the 70s or the 60s or whatever like there were problems back then and i i love that they're not let like just get letting it go by i really appreciate that kind of accuracy yeah. if you will
0: and one of the most poignant things about all of that was the fact that they and, and it's unfortunate for for the actor and, and for the character in a way but they really juxtaposed that whole well everything was so nice and fuzzy and warm back then thing on to stein Right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, you yeah. know, because he, he, he basically just said exactly that opinion that, that we criticize people for having, for not, you know, embracing the, the other side of what was really going on. Um, and he was just, I, I think just a metaphoric representation of that, you know, group of people that would be like that in, in that way. Um, be it just out of reluctance because it's uncomfortable for them or or be it because they were just brought up in a way that was a a totally wrong way of thinking. Um, Mm. Either way, uh, I'm glad that they represented that opinion to point out to us how wrong that opinion is. I thought that that was one of the bravest things that they did.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was really shocked. And that's like another reason I'm really starting to appreciate this show is it does things that you don't really get to see and just a lot of storytelling on, on, you know, media. It's just, it's nice to not have this kind of filter constantly over our eyes, like, oh, you can't see that because that was bad. And people should know what history was like. And I appreciate that kind of aspect of putting both opinions out there, whether you agree with one or the other, it's just, this is what it is. So, um, you know, it takes some balls to do that. So, you know, kudos to them, whoever's doing the writing. Like, I'm I'm very... I'm very intrigued by whoever's doing this show. You know, they've definitely caught in my they've definitely caught my attention with with the kind of ballsy moves they've been making with the show. And even you know from the start of just the series, like it was kind of rough for me. But now where we're at, I'm just so comfortable watching it. I feel feel good watching. Them. I'm excited to watch Snark. You know, I used to hate Snark, so it's just <laughs> kind of funny to go back and be like, yeah, let's see what this guy has to say this time. You know.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think most Muppet- of I just I just hate the way Snark talks.
2: Yeah, he talks so very it's like over the
1: top, cartoony is, but it, it's at this point I realize that, that's just him. That's who he is. Yeah. So like it, it's fine. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, who would think that we'd have that that deep of a conversation from DC Legends of Tomorrow? So <laughs> right. That, that just goes to to show you. Oh, uh, real quick though, I, I really like Sarah in that episode. Going back mm-hmm. to the league and just being totally badass again. And then uh, having her reveal that she's the white canary and stuff like that. So I thought that was really great. So uh, if you guys have anything that you want to say about DC, now
0: is the time.
2: We uh, want Batman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where
2: is Batman?
0: Oh, you're about to find out.
2: Right?
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to move on into that. Uh, here's a movie, which I liked, has received some negative comments from critics. Most of the fan reviews, however, that I've seen movies have been not so bad. You know, they they point out that it has flaws, which show me a movie that doesn't. There's very, very few that are close to perfect. Um, but the critics seem to be really hard on this movie and I don't know why. I've read a lot of critic reviews. Most of the things I've seen they'll give you five or six reasons, and maybe one of them will be invalid. valid. And the other ones will be like I think you're just trying to pile it on now at this point and trying to drive your point home so hard that you're actually overlooking a lot of things that were really good about the movie. And a lot of comparisons to Nolan's Batman, which are somewhat fair because, it's you know, it's Batman. But at the same time, I don't think this was an effort in the least to make a sort of how would Batman be in the real world, which I think is what Nolan did. And he did a really, really good job with it. I think this was sort of a comic book version of the character. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much pulled straight from one or two comics. And uh, one of which I've read and I've watched the movie adaptation recently too. A uh, cartoon, uh, anime adaptation as well. And I thought they pulled pulled pretty spot on from the comics and did, did it very well. So let's just jump jump right into it. Matt, anything you want to say about this movie? overall? And we can go into details as we move
0: on. Right on. Oh, oh overall, um, because so much critical uh, disclaim was coming about in <laughs> about this thing before I got a chance to see it, because I didn't get to sh- see it until after, oh, oh, I guess five days after the opening, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in with very low expectations except the one hope that I saw Donald tweeting that it was very good and I thought <laughs> well Donald's usually not wrong so I, I'm, rather than just wait for it I, I will actually go and see it I will pay money to see it I came out of there feeling like I had gotten my money's worth and more so and and the reason being for me uh, I know nothing about the comics I I, I had seen the, uh, uh, the Dark Knight animation i think is one that you were referring to there donald right uh i had seen the dark Knight animation and and loved that but i came away from this movie first of all loving batman loving ben affleck as batman i came out of this movie excited to see a wonder woman movie which i never thought i would be i came out of this movie just crazy uh in disbelief that they actually did that to Superman, um, because uh, I know that you you were tipped off uh, by the mention of a uh, of a certain word uh, that it was going to happen. But I had no idea. I was surprised. I thought that it was all done uh, very well in a very dark kind of tone not in the Chris Nolan dark kind of tone we didn't need that again we needed a different kind of dark kind mm-hmm. of tone and this was excellent for me um and that's just kind of overall I mean I could be more specific but I'll let you get to those uh after you talk to Camille
2: all right Camille it's on you um <laughs> had the same reaction basically with uh Matt's story here um I I didn't think much of the movie I was, I was going to see it. It wasn't like, um, I'm going to see it, you know, opening night, whatever. And then the reviews started coming shortly after the movie, you know, started to come out and people were seeing it and, oh my God, the reviews were just like, it's awful. It's trash. Don't see it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe we should wait a long time. And, um, Me and Joe were talking about whether we were going to actually go and see the movie because I thought it'd be a waste of money. And lo and behold, I think on Facebook, I seen Donald's post about um, how the movie wasn't bad and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, we need to see this movie this weekend, <laughs> um, the opening weekend. And Joe was like, why? I'm like, because Donald says it's good. And he's the only person I trust in terms of opinions <laughs> <laughs> to say that whether something's good or not. So um, we went, I think, in early Saturday or something like that. And because my expectations were so low, like you were, Matt, I just went in like, I don't care. It's a few extra bucks. Like, it's not going to kill me. Um, and it came out like this is what people are upset about this is ridiculous I mean the movie wasn't as awful as everyone had said it was so it just there's so many questions I had as to why people didn't like it and I mean sure maybe it was a little forced maybe there are some storylines that could have been gone there are things I thought there could have been adjustments but you know like Donald was saying no movie's perfect you know this is every superhero movie and there are movies I would be way more upset for for paying for, like Thor. I hated myself for paying for that movie yeah. but yeah. um just coming back to it it was it wasn't this monster that everyone was talking about, so um, thank you again, Donald, <laughs> for giving me hope that, that it wasn't gonna be <laughs> an awful movie. um but yeah, there's lots to talk about with that, but just just as a general kind of statement it it was it was fine. it was a good movie. I will say definitely got me pumped for anything for Wonder Woman. I'm so stoked to see the next, like, Justice movie or whatever it turns into. And the ending was very shocking to me, too, because I had no idea that was going to happen Um, to Superman. So it, there was a lot of good surprises. So um, I don't know. I was totally into it. And the whole flash sequence and Aquaman was, like, so cool. And I was nerding out so hard. You guys have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> New, I was like, kids. where's Barry I Allen? <laughs>
1: where's <our> Arbery Allen? <laughs> a lot, I think a lot of people were very wary about this movie because when they heard, there was news coming out for the longest time. For, oh, Flash is going to be in it. Aquaman is going to be in it. Wonder Woman is going to be in it. Cyborg is going to be in it. And they were thinking, oh, this is Spider-Man 3. They're just going to cram all these guys in there. And all Batman and Superman are going to do a fight the whole movie. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that they were, those were just minor cameos. And, you know... Yeah. Maybe maybe it, it took away a little bit from the pace of the movie to stop and, and have that. But I understand that they have to set up this universe. They have to try and compete with Marvel. So they have to try and set up this universe. It was probably something that came down from the higher-ups, like, you know, you put these things in there to set them up. So, you know, they had to cram it in there, which I didn't have a problem with. I think they were great. And the fact that Batman and Superman only fought for like five minutes out of two and a half hours. It wasn't a movie about them just punching each other for no reason. You know, it, it led up to that point, And I think uh, a little bit of manipulation from Lex. Uh, and then, you know, they fought. It was fine. And then they got over it. Maybe Camille wasn't too thrilled with the word that made them get over it. But <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, it wasn't just a movie about mindless punching and, and stuff like that. It was depth to the movie. The first hour was really just building the characters and getting into how dark the Batman character was. And like, this is a Batman that's been through crap. He's been, this is like a 20 year veteran Batman. This isn't Batman Begins or anything like that. So I thought that was very interesting. And then a Superman uh, that's being looked at by many as a God and this religious figure. And how does that play into the politics of the real world? I mean, there was a lot of deep stuff in there. And of course there was stuff with Lois, which I don't too much care for. Uh, the Lex character was really different. You know, you don't have to have the same Lex character every, every time. This was a very sort of Mark Zuckerberg type of spoiled brat <laughs> kid who's been handed down this company from his father. And I thought they did a very good job with that. I, I was really shocked at the performance that Jesse Eisenberg gave. When I heard that he was Lex, I was all, I was like, I'm not watching this movie. I don't want to see this. You know, <laughs> they might go get Michael Sarah to play in Superman. You know, that's the case. I think he did probably one of the highlights of the movie was the performance that he did it
0: Absolutely.
1: was very very different so um, let's, not, let's not just rant and rave about the movie we can talk about what we didn't like uh, we can go into details I'll let Matt bring up his first plot point or a few few points of chapter well, like but, um,
0: you I, like you Donald I did uh, love uh, Eisenberg's performance of Lex but I felt one of the big flaws was, uh and something that took me a minute to think about after the film was even over, because I kept thinking, mm-hmm. why are all of these things happening? Why, you know, what's with this bullet thing? What's, what, what was, as it was, as the movie was going on, and it took a minute for it to sink into me that, you know, this is all really just Lex manipulating everything, because what he wants is the Batman mm-hmm. versus Superman. He wants that um destruction of any possible thing that can stay out of it that can get in his way right and he wants it to yeah. be uh, the best way to do that is to give each of them their own motivations for doing it rather than you know him finding some way that they they have to and i think that as a through line uh and maybe the director's cut will serve this better i hope that it does but as a through line seeing all of the connections all going back to Lex, I think, was a point that got jumbled up somewhere in the editing or or how they decided mm-hmm. to cut the film. And I, I think, I, I don't want to say that that confused a lot of people. I'm just saying it confused me, and that was one of the things that it just took me a while to digest before I understood it. And then that made the film actually, once I did understand it, it made the film better. But I wonder if some, a lot of people just didn't bother to go that far because they just saw the ridiculousness of it and not really the through line of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that there was some some moments where I didn't understand why why Lex was doing that and stuff like that. And uh, I think a lot of it comes from the, the moment when um, there is a deleted scene actually that was released and it's on YouTube if you guys want to look at it with Lex. But I think there there was a lot of stuff that was lost whenever um, he got in the ship and he 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 apparently was just sitting there just learning about history for like days I guess I don't know
3: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know how long but he, he acquired a lot of knowledge during that point and the, um, there's a little deleted scene that go into it and from what I've seen like uh, I've read I've read the list of the deleted scenes that are going to be on the director's cut and um, a lot of it is story building a lot of things that got lost and make make things connect a little bit easier
3: Good. like
1: the scene at the beginning with Africa like that a lot of people were wondering it makes it makes no sense why are you there but there's a whole setup scene for that and there's stuff throughout that um, really like it'll make the movie flow together better.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Then I mean, if if I purchase this, um, I typically, you know, if if it's Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, then I'm going to buy the extended <laughs> cut before I'm going to buy the regular <laughs> cut anyway. So I'm I'll, I'll definitely purchase the uh, the uh, director's cut when it comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be rated R, like over three hours long, so. If you're into that, I mean, it, you don't have to just sit and watch it in the movie theater. You can watch it over a period of days. So I think that's always more interesting to me because a lot of times I think modern movies just go on too long. And, no. you know, I, I, there's moments where I, like, I have to pee or I just lose interest and I get to the point and stuff like that. But having the the ability, like with the, the new age of TV, watch it when you want, you know, pause it, whatever. I think that that just... To me it's just more appealing than just the classic sitting in a the movie theater for two and a half hours or two hours. But like that being said, it was still a great movie to me. Uh Camille, you can bring up any point or anything you want to dive into a little bit more.
2: Um and you see just like uh flaws that we had or flaws we noticed anything, in the story. Nothing at all. Oh. Um well I'll just kind of get my nitpicking out of the way. One of the things that bothered me, I mean, there are plenty of things about these movies that could be wrong, but Um, just one of the biggest problems I had with the story was just this whole truce that was called between Batman and Superman. Um, basically the movie kind of plagues Batman as this kind of xenophobe guy who doesn't trust this alien. And he, you know, is kind of stuck in this mentality of, you know, if we can't stop him, what's to stop him from destroying all of us? And, you know, one day he's going to turn on us. and then. You know, that's his whole motivation going forward, why he wants to fight him. But then in the middle of their fighting, you know, Superman blurts out Martha, Superman's mother's name, which is also Batman's mother's name. And he was just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? He kind of lost his stuff. And all of a sudden, they're best friends. Like, it's just for me, it's that kind of like it's a, it's a I don't know if it's a good or bad comparison, but it's just like I kind of think of it like if Batman was racist, and this one dude said, "Hey, my mom's name is Martha too." Like that wouldn't make him not racist. He would still be racist, you know. So it, it, just to kind of, un, just to kind of put what what I'm thinking, like it just made no sense that just because they share the same mother's name, um, it pulled him out of this moment and made him realize, "Oh man, I'm being so irrational." Whatever. I mean, it was so quick. I just wish there was more thought to it because, um, of course, there's more meaning behind it, and it was completely lost on me watching it. Um, And I think, Donald, you were telling me it's, it's about the fact that it reminded Batman of what he's doing and why he's doing it and all this stuff. But that whole thing was just lost on me while watching. It was just very comical to me that one moment He's trying to fight him. And then the next moment, you know, it's like, oh, man, we share mom names or best friends now. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> like, it's done with. It was just it was weird and very just ridiculous to me. That was that was like one of the one parts of the movie that I just could not forgive. I'm like, that's just I'm done with this. Just Bring me to the next scene, please.
0: Yeah. The the one thing I will say to this, and this is why it didn't bother me, Camille, is because what I saw in that moment was that he recognized that Clark was trying to save his mother Um and that he, because he was so helpless and unable to save his mother, uh, it just totally so disarmed him. And I almost felt like, and I don't know how, if you feel like, if you, you feel like the comics inform this or, or not, Donald, but I felt like by trying to save Clark's mother, he felt like he was Saving fixing his, his past. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because he made the comment of, you know, Martha won't die today or mm-hmm. and something like that. And I, I, I talked to, with Camille about this, and a lot of this stuff comes from not necessarily comics, but just me knowing the characters and or, or at least the uh, inspiration for these characters because these aren't necessarily the same Batman, the same Superman that we've seen for years. But I just felt in that moment, he realized that they, him and Clark aren't that different. You know, they're both yeah. orphans, and they're both trying to do something, and they're both stumbling along the way. And um to me, it just—it's like sometimes in, in life, like you could be doing something, and it, you'll just have that moment, that eureka moment, that moment of clarity, and you're like, what "The hell am I doing? I need to I need to stop." And you know, you can get so lost in, in wanting something or your job or a relationship, and sometimes it just takes a, like maybe a literal slap in the face or just you know, metaphoric slap in the face, I you can get it. You just get that moment. And you definitely aren't the only person that had that problem. And I think a lot of it is kind of lost in the narrative and and in the moment. But uh, to to me, like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that people didn't catch on to. Like for instance, uh, one of the reasons I I don't think that this Batman is just a racist guy or, or against him merely for the fact that he, you know, he's different or he's an alien. I mean, and I think they, they went out of their way to show that he collapsed an entire Wayne tower with all of his, you know, people in there, you know, that that he knew. And he tried to, you know, he was running into the smoke to save him. He doesn't understand that Superman was, you know, fighting with powers that he just recently like, like had had to use, you know, that, that Superman that we saw in the first movie wasn't necessarily a Superman that, that was used to fighting someone that was as strong as him. You know, he never had to go all out like that and, you know, destroy. He was destroying a lot of crap which is a big problem that I had with the first movie that he didn't seem to care.
3: Mm. But
1: now we have this character showing you from a human's perspective what was going on in that first movie and people were dying left and right. And Batman was, was freaking pissed off about it. I mean, that that was the main main idea of it. And there was a scene where Batman's in the Batcave and he walks past this costume, which is, is Robin's costume, which most people didn't catch. And then there's yeah. this, it's uh, yeah, spray painted on there, Joke's on you, Batman. And that's, that's taken from uh, a series or a, a comic series where Batman, where uh, the Joker kills Robin. So I think uh, there was also a line where Batman was, was telling Superman, you know, maybe he's just living in Gotham, but I don't trust freaks that run around dressed as clowns. So he's pulling a lot of stuff from this dark history that they didn't even go into in this movie, which I think yeah. is a flaw in the in the writing for sure. But it's also maybe they just, they just didn't have the time to do it. And there's just a lot, a lot of stuff that they had to cram into that. But I think if you know the, the character, you know, you got that scene of, of Robin and you knew what happened when the Joker killed Robin. This is a darker Batman. This is a Batman that we're meeting towards the end of his career, you know, where technically he's the same age as Christian Bale, which is, but he plays him older. And I guess they put a few great streaks in his hair, which we <laughs> were supposed to think he's older, but. You know, he's playing him from an older perspective, and he's 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 a, sort of a Danny Glover. I mean, I'm too old for this shit. You know, I'm, I'm three <laughs> seconds from retiring. I don't want to do this. He's fed up, so it's a different sort of perspective. Another problem that a lot of people have had, and you guys can talk about this. This is a Batman that apparently has no problem with just offing bad guys. Yeah. You know, he's, he, and a lot of people had a problem with that, so I was interested to see what you guys thought about that. I'll throw it over to Camille
2: this time. It definitely took me off guard at first um but to be honest I was kind of thrown off also by the dream sequences because sometimes I couldn't tell mm. if they were actually happening or if they were just um if if they I don't know it just for some reason I had a hard time differentiating the two so it was kind of weird because I don't know <laughs> which parts of him were actually hurting people versus some other parts <laughs> where they were dreams but it, it was very jarring to see it at first. And um, I don't know. Like, I just kind of went in very open-minded. So, like I said, it it kind of took me by surprise. But I just kind of applied this. Well, this is this version of Batman. This isn't necessarily um, the versions we all know, or at least I don't think. Because going into the movie, I wasn't sure if this was tied into Nolan's series or if this was completely separate. And then watching... Um, and paying attention to the details they were we were given about this Batman I'm like okay th- I think this is a different version but still even that I'm kind of not sure on but it just it kind of it was weird but it, it definitely was something I just kind of let happen or didn't really combat because it's just this is this version of Batman and then talking with people it was the 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 other perspective came out as well this is an older version He's at the end of his career, blah blah blah. So I was like, "All right, that makes sense." But um, it was very, very weird to see because we're just we grew up watching him, never having guns and never hurting people, at least in the sense of like almost killing them. So it was it was very uh, scary. Like this is what happens when you make him mad, and he just doesn't come back from it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I have no problem. Like if, if they could, they, we still haven't had a solo Batman movie, and apparently. Ben Affleck is co-writing it, so we'll see. But I have no problem with them showing a flashback and having the Batman be that way and saying, I don't kill people. And then I have no problem with them taking the artistic liberty of saying, well, this is a point where he doesn't care anymore and maybe eventually he'll get back to that point where he doesn't kill anyone. But if you get in this way and you're a bad guy, you might die. <laughs> you know, I have no problem with them, you know, evolving the character in, in, a, in a way, you know, you know, they might come back to a point where he doesn't do that. But it's not like he just outright went up to people and just slit their throats. You know, he was in a fight, <laughs> kicked a grenade, you know, he, he was fighting off trying to get the machine gun and, you know, pointed at a couple of guys. Uh So he's not necessarily a murderous Batman. He's a vigilante. He says outright that he's a criminal. And, you know, he, he's accepted that at this point. So, uh Matt, what did you think about that, the whole issue with that?
0: I'll be honest, because of the the cinematic versions of Batman that I've seen before, I, I I didn't really give it any thought, Donald. I mean, I I felt like, um, I honestly felt like that uh, Tim Burton's Batman that Michael Keaton played had a lot less regard for life than Ben Affleck's mm-hmm. Batman, um, and I I I, I don't. I just don't have any answer to that because uh, if it, if it does jar people who, who know Batman as a certain way or whatever, um, I just never take any of that kind of baggage into a new DC film. Um, simply because I, you got to reimagine these characters and satisfying the fans or not, I I think is less important than satisfying your artistic vision about who the character is. So Mm -hmm. I, 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 I i it didn't even it didn't even phase me it was just like hey look batman's kicking ass you know <laughs> that was basically was my response you know and and i thought it was cool and i thought that it was beautifully set up by the fact that you do see bruce wayne in uh metropolis uh running towards a collapsing building you know i, I just that kind of bravery well if you if you're going to if you're gonna face bad guys who want to kill you, I don't see how there's any way you can keep from killing some of those bad guys just so that you can get what you got to get done. Um, and t- I, I really did. It didn't jar me at all, one way or the other.
1: Yeah, and I, I think another, there's another thing that was just lost in the the grand scale of the movie was that Batman doesn't have the the abilities to, you know, have superpowers like Wonder Woman and Batman and, and Superman you know, he, he, there's gritty fights that he has to go through and he might have to kill somebody in the process, whereas Superman can quickly apprehend them, you know, take bullets, stuff like that, fly away. He doesn't have that luxury. And I think that um, in the fight with Doomsday where Batman was pretty much having to run the entire time,
3: mm. I
1: think that that was, that was really apparent that he's he's out of his league. And it's always been like that in, in every sort of incarnation that I've seen where Batman's in the Justice League. He's always had to fight twice as hard to be half as strong mm-hmm. as, as any of those guys so to me that was one of the appealing things about batman but he's still in the fight you know he's still swinging from the grappling hook and you know trying to get goons there but he can't do anything but he's still there he doesn't back down so i thought that was just little moments that i kept catch on but i can see how a critic would just watch the movie and say well this is dumb you know why, is he, why doesn't he give the the spirit to, to Wonder Woman and stuff like that. But, you know, in the moment, it's like totally different when you know the characters in a in a deeper way. And, you know, old-school Batman in the in the 40s and 50s would had a gun, and he would just shoot people. So <laughs> I, I don't think it was that bad. So I didn't have a problem with it at all. But, right Matt, I'll throw it over to you if you want to bring up another topic. <laughs>
0: I loved the Wonder Woman theme. I'm sorry. I love Wonder Woman. I'm totally in love. You know, I had no expectations of, of uh, Gal Gadot or however you pronounce her name. I, I thought, well, you know, uh, if it doesn't work, they can just drop it and, and it'll just be a one and done or whatever. I came out of this film wanting to see more Wonder Woman than either Batman or Superman, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I uh And I, I felt like that. You know, I know that they had to throw a lot into this film, but I'm glad that they took the time to develop that character before we ever saw her in the costume, because that made that pay off Mm -hmm. wonderfully to me. I just thought that that was fantastic. Plus, I love electric cello. Thank you, Hans. That was awesome.
1: (laughs) I'll have to say that. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a topic I was going to bring up. That was another um, critical thing that the critics were bringing up where. They were kind of upset, like there's not enough Wonder Woman in this movie. Whereas I think they're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Again, like her movie's already being shot. Like, they, like that's this was a setup for this character. It was just enough of a tease for us to want Wonder Woman. It wasn't her movie. It was Batman versus Superman. She was the, the you know the third character in that, and it was merely for a setup. But she also. Played a big part in it, and she did a uh, she stole the you know stole the heart of the audience, and I think that that was the point. I don't think it was uh, necessarily anything that you could say was a, a bad move. You know, I think if they would have made her you know like a bigger part of the story, it probably wouldn't have fit because it's, it just she it wasn't her story. So now you have these these audiences that are asking for more Wonder Woman, and there's a movie coming out, so you have buzz for that, and I think that that's what they wanted to do, and I think they did a great job with it. And she was a great character. Um, she, you don't get to see her in a costume, and again, until like what the very end. And then at that point, we're dealing again with another character that's already established, already has a history. So I think, I think that's a different way of looking at it. Whereas with Marvel, oh, we have to do this one movie or tell this big origin story, and then we have to meet them all up. Like I, I think DC is taking a different approach. They're giving you characters that are already established. Go ahead, Matt.
0: Yeah, almost a reverse approach yeah. as opposed to the Marvel thing. And I like it because I think all of us as fans have lost. One of the things we loved um, when we did get answers was the fact that, you know, we got them later and then we had to fill them in as, you know, the questions came way early and, and the filling in came way late. Um, and I, I like that, that kind of backwards approach and, and not backwards in a bad way. I just reverse approach. I love that.
1: Yeah, and uh, with, with, I'll throw it over to Camille in a second. With all the stuff that's coming out today about the female league and Rogue One, Star Wars, and people not knowing how they feel about it and some people are already prejudging and stuff like that, I think that a lot of that stuff is, you know, views. very few people that are sexist. Are they are not not excited about you know, having, having another female league and another Star Wars movie. And I think the media the social media is taking that stuff and running with it. Uh, but looking at this and how well received a character like wonder woman is, I would tend to think that the majority of audiences aren't opposed to that. And I think this wonder woman movie is going to be a big movie. And it's, I don't even think Marvel has done a, a female superhero lead movie yet. And so I think that this is going to be a big deal. And I think it's it's already being well received the character. So, I don't think we have the the problem anymore, where the majority of people are just opposed to having a strong, you know, female lead to to any kind of big blockbuster anymore. So hopefully we're going in the right direction with that. But I would love to get Camille's thoughts on that.
2: It's so weird because uh, there's always there's always um, a section in these superhero movies that are intended for the the lady watchers, so to speak, <laughs> and it it's always surrounded by these oh my god, these awful, awful story, like, love twisting, bullshit like, storylines, like Uh and it's it's just, it's very frustrating because I feel just as a viewer, not necessarily a female or male if we're invested just a person is invested in going to see a superhero movie, they're not going for romance, they're not going for that lovey-dovey shit, and it's just (laughs) the agenda is constantly pushed, like well, we gotta have this in the movie for the girls because they're coming and they want to see it too. So we gotta give them something. It's Like, what if girls just like comics or superheroes? It's just that whole gender kind of focus is is very exhausting. But I think with DC, they're getting a little. Well, I don't know because I I don't know if I've seen enough movies and I'm kind of not sure on the DC Marvel. But just speaking of like watching Thor or um. Like Iron Man and stuff, like these storylines with the love interests are so awful, and it's just nice to have a female in the story and it not be this like constant thing about romance or you know there are sexual tension type moments with like Batman and Superwoman, but even still, like it was never anything too crazy and just to have her just kind of come in and be this badass for people who didn't know it was her, it was just so liberating and it's it, it gets me excited to see it at least we well, we will. Live in a time, hopefully, where you know there's going to be female lead and it won't be a big deal because that's what it is. It's either female or male. It's not like like you have to pick side, you know. So I just wish we would fast forward past this. Like, oh my god, we're gonna have a female superhero lead. You know, it's, it's Superwoman. Who gives a shit if it's a girl? It's just it's a awesome character and sure, it'll be a great kind of image for younger girls and stuff like that. But it's I'm just glad that there is that kind of like. Trying to bring something into the light that hasn't been and just trying to get it more, get people like used to that because I feel like that's the issue is that people aren't used to seeing, you know, female leads or female this or guys that or guys that. And it's like once they break the ice, once they start to populate, you know, our media with more of that, maybe everyone will be a lot more relaxed, you know, cause it's always at the start of things where people are upset or freaked out. But once, you know, they get used to seeing what's going on, then people calm down. They stop. Freaking out over little, little, stupid stuff like that. So, oh, I don't know. It's a it's a loaded question, but you know, I'm I'm personally excited to see you know Superwoman <laughs> movie. This this movie was like I I wish there was more or Wonder Woman. Wait, which is Wonder Woman yeah, right? Wonder Woman. <laughs> Sorry, it's <said> Superwoman. <laughs> um, as far as uh like her story, I would have loved to see more of her, but you know, it it is Batman versus Superman, so it wasn't necessarily her time to completely take over everything so it was a nice tease as to what we will get with um her storyline come her movie and it's it's a nice little like hold you hold you over till then type of thing so um i'm just i'm ready to see more of it i'm ready to give this girl a chance because i wasn't too sure about the casting primarily because i've seen her in like the fast and furious and i'm like she's superwoman or wonder woman like that's crazy to me but she did a great job so I'm really, really um, excited to see what comes of this. And, you know, hopefully other people like Marvel or whoever will, you know, follow in these footsteps. I mean, like, if you look at Star Wars, like that movie had a female lead and that movie did great. I mean, granted, it is the Star Wars franchise. But, you know, people are taking these steps to make it more normal and not make it so like, oh, my God, this is a female lead movie. You know, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that, you know. So, well, it's going to take time. All these things do so.
1: You know, I wonder how much of that is, is also people saying female lead. And then that, that starts a lot of that stuff. Why not just say it's a Star Wars movie? One of the okay. biggest problems I have with, with the Ghostbusters thing is that they're like, mm-hmm. it as an all female cast. And that's yeah. sort of like, it's provoking people to say something, you know? And to, to me, I was like, I'm not that interested in that movie. And a lot of people are scared to say that stuff because you're instantly branded. Oh, you're on Twitter, and you know, you're sexist. You don't want to see an all-female. It just doesn't right. look funny to me, honestly. And I think people should be free to say, even if even if you're saying, well, look, I you're making a, a Wonder Woman movie. I don't know how I feel about that because I'm a guy and I don't know if you know a female lead would appeal to me. I think it's safe to say that. I think it's safe to say that you don't know if uh, things that a woman likes would relate to you. I don't think that's being sexist. I think what's being sexist is saying, wait, it's a female lead, I'm not giving the movie a chance. I think you can go in and say that I don't know how I feel about this and you may end up liking it. That's fine. I think as long as you give things a chance and you don't just prejudge it, then I think that's when you cross the line. But I mean, that being said, I I definitely want to get your opinion on that, you know, from from a female perspective, because I don't want it to be like, oh, it's just Donald and Matt talking about what women like, I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is true but I know um, nothing
0: nothing absolutely yeah, nothing. I know nothing about,
1: about women. women that's why that's why I'm single right now but uh I'll, I'll throw it to you guys so you can each bring, bring up one more point and then I probably have to go okay so uh we can either wrap it up or or you guys can continue but let's just throw it to Camille time for uh, one last point point.
2: one last point short and simple Lex Luther was awesome I don't care what anybody says everyone's like oh he's a whiny little bitch or blah 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 I'm like no, he's starting as a whiny little bitch. He's gonna mess your world up later, man. Like he he was by far my favorite part of the movie and I also really was not sure what to expect from him and he delivered on so many different ways and I'm just really excited to see what he becomes from this movie. So good job, uh whatever your name is. <laughs>
1: I said, bird. My good, that you don't know his name.
0: Okay. Well, I, I was just going to say, and, and and this will be my final point. Um, I I didn't really know how to take Lex all that well until the end, Um and I I don't know that I would ever was as scared of Lex until he put Batman and Superman actually in the cage together. Didn't you know the whole Doomsday thing? That was fine and whatever, but I I just felt like, um, at the end. At the very end of this film, no, no actor could have done that transformation of to the Lex that we should fear the way that Eisenberg did. I, 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 I honestly, I mean, are you really scared of Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor? <laughs> no. Um, it's been too long ago since I even saw the, the, the one reboot that they did of Superman. Um, with that guy. So I, I don't even remember him, but I'm looking forward to a new film that might have Lex Luthor in it. So, um, it, whenever that happens, I don't know, but I, I hope it does happen. And in, in soon in one of the films.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, there's complaints all throughout history with Lex Luthor. Like why is Superman's biggest enemy just some guy? Right? It's the, the point that he's a manipulator and he's smart and he, you know, he thinks, and that—that's what makes him, you know, he kind of put all these things into motion, all the way back to getting the kryptonite and stuff like that. So, I think he—he he played it—he played it perfectly fine to me. It's a good modern way, modern take on the Lex Luthor character. But um, I think—I think for the most part, we've all agreed that this movie has its problems. I—I uh, I wasn't a big fan of of uh, the last Avengers movie either. That movie had a lot of problems, but. It was still enjoyable, as was this movie, which was I think this movie was very enjoyable. And some of the graphics and the scenery was just amazing at times. So um, overall, I think we we all like the movie. We think that the, you know the critics are entitled to their opinion. People don't have to like the movie, but I, I think that a lot of this stuff was over exaggerated and probably scared some people away from from seeing it. Uh, and it also encouraged other people to see it because you know no no press is bad press. The movie is currently $700 million worldwide. So I, I think for the most part, we're guaranteed to get a few more. So that's all I care about. Right on. But uh, guys, I got to run. I, I had a great time talking about this DC universe with you. Uh, if you want to find Matt, how can we do that?
0: Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Musical Concepts, or if you want to follow the Save This City podcast, that's at Save This City Pod.
1: Yes, yeah, so and Matt also does podcast Winterfell, which... I know your Twitter's going on hiatus, but is the podcast still gonna be active?
0: No, actually, uh I'm taking I'm taking all of season six just off. I've got a whole bunch of touring I gotta do, so I don't really have time for it. Okay.
1: Well yeah, I think you're you're entitled to do that and that's fair and you deserve a break. But Matt also does the podcast Winterfell. You can find the back episodes and I have no idea what the website is. I'll let Matt tell you.
0: that. dot com. Thank you.
1: Yes, and search for that on iTunes. Camille, how can we find you?
2: I am on Twitter at Lady Oddity and if you have any interest in video games you should come check out my podcast which is or which you can find on Twitter at Simon's Cake.
1: It's Amazing and they just did uh, The Lion King. So yeah. So looking forward to, to that one. And if you want to find me as always you can find me at Donald Jr. on Twitter. Guys it's been great and I'll see you next time.